Welcome to Family Office Secrets. We're about to pull back the curtain to reveal to you the often hidden strategies used by today's most successful individuals and their family offices. What you're about to hear are things that no one else wants to tell you. We're a group of driven business leaders who are driven for more. We are not satisfied with the ordinary. Our motivation is building an amazing life of significance and changing the world for the better. Because we're building amazing companies, our lives are complicated. We can't rely on traditional advisors with ordinary advice to get us to our goals. Instead, we look to the super rich and ultra wealthy business owners to guide the way. But the fact is, these solutions remain hidden from most of us because relatively few professionals are well-versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't want you to know about them. Welcome to Family Office Secrets, where we are driven for more. We are hashtag driven for more, and these are our stories. Hey there, this is Tim McNeely, and I'm so excited to be here today with Ron from Mercury Construction. And Ron specializes in building medical and dental buildings for professionals out there just like you. And he's been involved in in helping professionals build and remodel their offices for over 21 years. And I'm so excited today because by the end of our conversation today, you're going to know the benefits of hiring and working with an established contractor. More than that, you're going to walk away with the tools to help you identify who the right contractor is for your job and how to put the best team together so you can do what you want. But even better, you're going to walk away feeling empowered and knowing that this is something that if you want to do it, you can do it. Ron, welcome to Family Office Secrets. Thank you so much, Tim. Glad to be with you. Yeah, exciting times, a little bit of chaos in the world, but we want to keep moving forward. And so, uh, so hey, give me a little bit of your, your background. How, how did you get started doing this? Sure. So um, back in the day, I started working with my father. Uh, just over 21 years ago. And he was an established contractor, mainly uh, building medical offices. So building medical offices has been in our family for decades. Uh, my father won't tell me exactly how many years. You know, I already know his age, but he doesn't like to share so much. And we just fell into it, to be honest, specializing in dental only and being known in that small niche community really just fell in our laps. And the first project that I did as a dental, I mean, it, it was just a pleasure. It was eye-opening and uh, realizing that this small community had so much potential was uh, a great, a great way to start my business, start my profession in this industry. So, right. You mentioned eye-opening, real tight-knit community. That's one of the things I love about dental so much. And and what were some of the things that you were learning as you were going through that that first project? Because I know a lot of our listeners may be thinking, you know, I can just work with any contractor to, to build my dental office. So what were some of the things that, that you were learning on that first job and in your 21 years since? Yeah. So our, our first job, it was, uh, I, I got brought into it by the doctor. She was looking for that one contractor that wasn't tied to the dental community. She was really scared of contractors that were being brought in by the equipment reps getting kickbacks. And so she looked for somebody that was out of the industry. We had built, my father had built dental offices before, but always through the doctor. Once we got on this job, the dental equipment rep slowly realized that we were great contractors and we were easy to work with. And 
obviously willing to learn whatever it is that he wanted to teach. And um, he really taught me personally all the little things that matter to dentists. Something as simple as what color your light bulb in your treatment room should be. Or, you know, where is the dental light supposed to be mounted? Uh, computer locations, all the little details that really help a dentist succeed in what it is he or she is doing. So, you know, learning all the little ins and outs of what the dentist needs are, that's what really excited me about working in this field. I hear you say that in, in my first kind of gut reaction, and I do know better, but, but right, my gut reaction is right. Really light color in a treatment room. Does that really matter? Yeah. Not, not just that, but I remember there was a time which you wanted a certain amount of light fixtures in your ceiling and spaced a certain way just to help you with eye fatigue. I, there's so many people that analyze what should be done, how it should be done, so on and so forth. That you know, there's a lot of theories out there, and I've been doing them for for 20 years. It's interesting to see how it progresses hmm. you know, and changes. So really, this is something that right a, a contractor who doesn't understand dental may come in and say, "Oh, I'm going to get you great lighting in all your ops," and they may be very well lit, but couple months into it, like you just mentioned, you're going to be having eye fatigue. You're going to be getting tired because these things weren't thought through because the little things were missed. Is that what I hear you really saying? Yeah. And, and, and it goes everywhere from color of light to location of light to correct location of the dental chair itself within the room. I've been to offices that have been built and the chair is just not in the right location, which makes it very difficult for the doctor and the assistant to work on a patient. You know, a lot of doctors don't look at these things. Many do. Many want everything a specific way and they know what to ask for, which is great. I love working with those doctors. And others look to the professionals to guide them. You know, what is the best way? Especially these dentists that start new practices fresh out of school. They're the ones that really look for the guidance. They're also the smarter ones. You know, they're not the ones that think they know it all. And and there are a few of those that really do know what they want and how. And again, those are those are good doctors to work for. You always learn the most from the, those doctors. So, right, walk me through a little bit of the the process of building an office. Right, there's obviously a lot to think through. So, how do I even get started on this road? So, first thing you need is a great team. And when I say team, building an office requires a lot of different professionals starting from your realtor to actually find the right location. And finding the right location is not easy. And that's usually one of the, the most difficult steps. So many things that you need to think of first and foremost is, can you get a permit to operate a dental office in whatever property you're looking at? Um, obviously your price for your lease, so on and so forth. So it's really important to hire a realtor instead of going and looking for a space yourself and having the building's broker negotiate your deal. You always want your own broker to negotiate your deal. And you don't have to pay for it, just like a house. If you're buying a house, the seller uh, pays the commission for both parties. So always good to have a broker on your team. Second is the equipment supplier. You know, that equipment supplier is really going to help you 
figure out what kind of office you need, what equipment you need. And most of them will even help you with a floor plan and putting the rest of your team together. For example, a lender. Some of these uh, suppliers also finance. So, you know, a lender, an equipment rep, a realtor, and then comes your contractor. So that small team, each one with his own responsibilities, they can really move forward this project and help you get exact, help the doctor get exactly what he or she is looking for. Yeah, no, team coordination absolutely matters. And, and having the right team members can make or break a project. And so in your experience, let's touch on kind of each one of these a little but specifically, let's talk about the, the equipment rep. What are some things that go into a really good equipment rep? And how can a, a doctor know that they're really working with someone who wants to, to help them build the best office possible? Well, you know, I'm a contractor, so I don't see the whole picture. But I can tell you what I do see. I've seen equipment reps that just go and they'll ask the doctor, okay, what equipment do you want? Doctor picks out the equipment and the rep disappears. You don't hear from or see from them again until it's ready to install that equipment. Those equipment reps, they're there to just sell you cheap equipment and they don't want to put any more time or effort into it. I love working with the equipment reps that are really there for every aspect of this endeavor because it is an endeavor. It's quite a lengthy process to locate an office design it and build it. Those equipment reps that are there throughout, they're really on top of their game and they really help the doctor in every way possible. Literally, they help them finding the location. They're with me designing the office. You know, where does that light go? Where does that, where does the sterilizer go? How is the sterilization center set up? Let's make the equipment room a little bit bigger so that the equipment fits better and the maintenance is easier. Let's go through the IT. Let's make sure your cameras are in the right place. Make sure you have the right computers, the right software, so on and so forth. Those are the guys that can really help you put that team together and build that dream office. The ones that are there and interested in every step of the way. Those are the good equipment guys. All right. So, so maybe one of the questions that a, a doctor could ask the equipment rep is, tell me about how you coordinate with my other team members. And if they say, I don't, that may be a warning sign that they want to find someone else. 100%. Uh, you know, I would say that. If I were in the doctor's shoes, that would definitely be the way that I would go. But there are other doctors there that feel they can do everything on their own. Yep. Okay. And they go out and they put it all together. And then that's usually when the jobs go south, usually. Gotcha. So so we've got the real estate agent, we've got the equipment rep, we've got the the lender, and then we've got you as the, you know, construction expert to to come in there and the contractor. So, right, we've got our team and now how do we start piecing all this stuff together? So usually the equipment rep and um, the contractor and of course, uh, one team member that, that, that is crucial, and I forgot to mem- mention, is the IT. Mm. Your IT guy is really important as well. Those three together with the doctor, they can really design the office themselves. In the dental industry, it's common that the contractor is hired to do what's called a design build. 
And in that design build process with the team is when we start putting the drawings together. Those drawings start out with a simple floor plan and then they move on to details of what goes into your project. And the more you plan, the more you put on paper, hopefully the more you see, the more you can catch your mistakes ahead of time before you start building. Last thing you want is to catch a mistake during building and starting to have to redesign. Okay. Yeah. But usually in the design build process, the contractor will help you put that, those drawings together and then that process starts. Okay. Once the drawings are together, they go out to bid with subcontractors, start getting all your pricing together, your design elements, colors, finishes, fixtures, goes into the city, city will go through their plan check, and then you end up with a permit and contractors ready to go to start building. Okay. And how long does that preliminary process take? I mean, are we looking at weeks or months? Or what kind of timeline can we even expect for doing this? So let's put aside locating the property because that could take could take a month, could take years. I've been with doctors that literally look for an unbelievable amount of time until they find exactly what it is that they want. Let's put that aside. Starting the project, once you've found that property, the design process, a lot of doctors are very reasonable. They'll go through one or two, maybe three different designs. They nailed the floor plan and said, okay, that's what I want. Let's continue the process. If that first step is reasonable within the two, three times of changes, you could probably get your drawings done between four to six weeks. Hmm. And then you'll go into the city. Now, the city, that's another story. Obviously, I have no control as to how busy the city is or they're understaffed. Some cities, we can have plan check over the counter. Other cities, it could take about eight weeks. Hmm. And in some special cases, it could take a few months. Wow. But let's assume everything goes normally. Construction take about three months, approximately 12 weeks. You can probably be done with your office in about five months. Okay. Five to six months is what I like to quote. If you've gone beyond your six months, then you ran into some kind of an issue, whether it be in the planning stage, in the city stage, or in the construction stage. But if you plan five to six months, that's a good, comfortable number that I'm sure you can get your office done. Most offices that I build are, are completed in about five, five and a half months. Wow. Okay. So, so it really is a, an achievable thing for our listeners. If you're listening, if you, you want to build an office, uh, it, it's not an unreasonable expectation to say we can get this done in about six months, assuming things go as planned. Correct. Now, right, obviously, sometimes things uh, don't go as planned. And so, so what are some things to be aware of in building an office or remodeling an office? What are some things that, that can creep up and derail that timeline? Well, we had already touched on this a little bit. You've got to make sure you hire the right team. Mm -hmm. You don't hire the right team. You have that missing link. That missing link in anything could derail it. So I've Bid, I, I can tell you a, a story right now. I bid a project many, many years ago. And uh, I found out later when I lost the job that there were two contractors, myself and another, that were literally $1,000 apart. Now you're talking about 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, it was around $350,000 to build this office. Two of the contractors were $1,000 apart, and the third was about $100,000 less than us. Whoa. Now, unfortunately, this doctor said, wow, looks like I'm getting a great deal. I'm going to go for this low bid. Obviously, not the right thing to do. You don't want to do that. If you have two bidders that are bidding almost the same number and a third that's extremely low, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. So look out for those. You don't want to get somebody that's inexperienced. You don't want him to learn how to build a dental office on your dental office. And um, that low number, that's that's the red flag that says, hmm. thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. He ended up calling me because that contractor bailed in the middle of the job and he couldn't get anybody else to finish it. He called me up. He begged me. He said, Ron, please, please help me out. And I did. And we were able to finish that job. And uh, luckily, he got he he, uh, he got into the office and started practicing. And he lost a lot of money, a lot of money, unfortunately. But he was able to get in there and start working. So that's interesting, right? He got two bids and they were $1,000 apart. And, and it's not like you're sitting down with the other contractor comparing notes, are you? You're, you're bidding this stuff out on your own, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, the, the two contractors, myself and the other, we were experienced contractors. We were in, we're in the industry. We, we have built these offices before. And a lot of these offices, keep in mind, a lot of them are cookie cutters, you know, they're very similar to one another. For us, you know, it's really just colors and materials hmm. and the type of dentistry that the dentists practice. So, you know, we can price these out fairly easily. And prices of material are the same for us. Labor prices are very similar. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's really just your profit margin that might differ. Okay. And that one guy that's $100,000 off, he made a mistake. Okay. He made a mistake. So in bidding a project, how many bids would you recommend a, a dentist go out and get or a doctor gets, right? What's an appropriate number? Do I need 12 or do I need three? It's one of the first questions I'll ask a doctor when he calls me up to see if I can bid a job for him. You know, it's uh, how many contractors are bidding? How, how many am I bidding against? And if they tell me anything over two where I'm the third, I'll usually say no, thank you. I'll usually say no, thank you. So three would probably be the optimal number. And most importantly, even when you're bidding, let alone choosing, but even when you're bidding, you want to make sure you can get along with these contractors. Hmm. If you can't get along with this guy, your contractor, you can't even talk to him. How are you going to be able to do a project with him for six months? And then a year or years after that for warranty or issues? that you're going to have to call him up and say, hey, come fix this. It's not working right. Or uh, any other issue you might come across. But yeah, definitely. No more than three. No more than three. It's confusing too. Can you imagine having 10 different numbers and 10 different bids with everybody bidding something else? Wow, that's a headache. So three numbers, really good advice there. And right, you also touched on something that I think is so important. That's the relationship that you have with a, a contractor. In those kind of preliminary stages, what are some warning signs or some signs to look out for that this is going to be a good relationship as opposed to an adversarial one, right? What are some things that the not only the doctor can be looking at, but that you're looking at also because you want to assess that fit for both of you so that you have a fantastic outcome. 
Yeah, I would say does he answer your phone calls? That's probably the first and foremost uh, question you should be asking. Give him a call. Did he answer? Did you leave a message? How long did it take him to call you back? Hmm. Uh, if you can't, if you can't get a hold of your contractor, you're not going to have a good relationship with. Them. So, yeah. so that, that's really, definitely number one. It's as simple as it does. The person call me back. Sure, sure. Okay. I, nobody wants to work with somebody that that's hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Okay. But um, other than that, you know, it's it's just personality. Can, yeah. can you get along with somebody? You know, talk to them on the phone, meet them in person. Everybody has their own personality. Some people might get along with uh, person number one, and they might get along better with person number two. Everybody's a little bit different. Very, very interesting. So, right, back to some of those things that they can go wrong. Share a story, you know, maybe about where you came in, what some of the issues were, and, and more importantly, things are going to creep up. What's your process for, for dealing with the unexpected? Well, I had a, uh, a client where this was an unexpected for me. You know, I I can get unexpected too, right? Everybody was always thinking, oh my God, the contractor found something and it's going to cost me this much more money. In this case, I found out something that was hard for me to deal with. Hmm. And that was uh, my client. My client was extremely difficult. This client couldn't make up her mind. And it got so bad where it actually stopped the job for two months. You know, I had mentioned earlier that... Um, the color of your light bulb is very important. So I had asked that question to the doctor and she had a great team and everybody advised her on a color and she couldn't make up her mind. It took her about one month to decide what color light fixtures she wanted, what color light bulbs. And it delayed the job. Mm. It literally delayed the job by one month. And for me, what was unexpected was that I can't stop a job for a month. I lose a ton of money. You know, all doctors want you to finish quick because they want to get in and start working and seeing patients and start making money. Construction works the same way. I want to get in and I want to get out as fast as I can. The faster I finish the job, the more profit I have. So the unexpected was the delay on me. I lost money. And for the doctor, that time and her inability to make decisions created an enormous amount of change orders for her. Yeah. You know, um, the light bulbs didn't cost the money deciding what color, but she had picked a color and then she picked another color and then she picked another color. So I had three different purchases of light fixtures. Doctor paid a lot of money for that. You know? oh. And so that, that brings me to another point, change orders. You know, a lot of people are scared of change orders, but believe it or not, Tim, most change orders actually come from the client, not from the contractor. Yes. At least in in my case. Yeah. So let's back up for someone who's never done this before. What's a change order? Okay. So a change order is something that's unexpected from the original plan or design, something that's unforeseen. So Two things would probably create a change order. Number one is if I start demolition and I open up a wall and I find something unexpected in that wall that I didn't charge for. Mm. I would turn around and say, hey, doc, I'm sorry. I opened up this wall and it looks like we've got asbestos here. So we have to remove the asbestos. It's got to be done right. It's going to cost this much more. You should always have a contingency for some change orders. 
right, to cover things like that. And the second thing that would cause a change order is I'm told to paint a wall white and I paint the wall white, but then the doctor comes in and says, you know what, I don't like that shade. Let's go a little bit darker. Let's do a beige. And then I have to charge him a little bit extra because I had only planned on painting that wall one time, not two times. Okay. So change order is something that's unexpected. It could come from something that I didn't see or something that I was told to do and later asked to do something else. All right. So going back to that, that doctor that was having a, a hard time making a decision, you know, that's something I can empathize with. And it's actually something we see all the time. And there's a technical term for it. It's called decision fatigue. And actually, we've, we've done studies where we look at parole boards. And these parole boards, when prisoners are going before them, the ones in the morning have a real high probability of getting paroled. And the ones right before lunch, after these parole officers have been working all day, have a much lower chance of getting paroled. And that's after you control for, you know, the crime and length of service and behavior. And the reason that happens is we are making so many decisions that we reach a point where our brain just is on overload. And so is that something you see people face as they're going through this construction process is dealing with a lot of choices? And how do you help them work through that so that they don't hit that decision fatigue and they can make it through and get the job done? It's definitely something we see and we see it often. Most of the questions come up during the design phase. And that design phase is about one month, let's maybe a month and a half. I have a design showroom in my office where I can bring the client in and say, okay, now let's choose some colors. This is in the event that they don't hire an interior designer to choose finishes. They want to do it themselves. They want to save a few bucks. So I'll bring them into the office and I say, okay, here's the list of the questions that we need to answer to finalize your design. It's usually about a six hour event, I'd say. So obviously to sit there for six hours, it's a lot. It's a lot. So we break it up. We break it up into different meetings. You know, what's critical for me would be my first meeting. And then whatever is less critical will be my last. So I break it up. Let's meet for a couple hours. Here's the questions. You can think about it. Give me an answer on the next meeting. Let's meet again. We'll meet for another two hours. So I try not to bombard with questions. I try to break it up over a period of time. It makes it a little bit easier for them. And But more than that, what helps is to have that good team. Going back to that good team, that doctor should always be looking to that team member and saying, what do you think? What have you done? What have you seen? What's popular? What's not popular? And that team will help the client make those hard decisions. Hmm. And it's usually usually a better decision because they've got a lot more experience. Yeah. And for our listeners listening right now, I hope you're paying attention to what you just heard. Because as Ron is explaining his process of how he works with you, he's built into his process ways to help you make better decisions. And that's by spacing out the meetings instead of trying to do it all at once, right? So so that, those are little clues that you are working with experienced people because they do take into account those little things. And so as you're considering building an office or remodeling an office, and as you're talking to contractors, these are things you may want to ask them is, how are you going to help me deal with all the decisions I have to make? And if they don't have a good, well thought out answer, you may want to look elsewhere. 
And so, Ron, in terms of, of building, right, maybe I just bought a building or I'm thinking about, you know, remodeling it or building from the ground up. What are some things that, that I should think through in terms of that, that remodeling versus building from scratch? Well, remodels. Let's talk about remodels for a minute. Remodels, they're very difficult. And the reason they're difficult is because in most cases, the doctor can't shut down while I remodel their office. You know, closing the practice for two to four weeks, I mean, that, that's, that's crazy, right? How can they lose so much money? That's an exactly. insane amount of income to just stop. So they usually ask you to do it in phases. And say, okay, let's split the office in half. You remodel that half, finish it. I'll work on the other half, and then we'll flip, right? When you finish the other one, I'll move to the finished side, and you can remodel the, uh, the second half of the office in phase two. They're possible. It's common. Usually the doctors are, they're not happy during that time, right? Mm. I mean, it's, it's chaos. It's chaos. And it's bad enough having a, a contractor in your home remodeling while you're living there. Having them in your office, in a dental office, where it's supposed to be sterile and clean. And what patient wants to come into a construction zone to have their teeth worked on? That's usually the biggest challenge with remodels. And they also take twice as long to do it in phases. And it usually costs double the money, right? Because I'm there for twice as long versus, you know, just that two weeks. Now I'm there for four weeks because I'm doing two weeks each side. Wow. So, I mean, that, that's the biggest challenge in a remodel. It's always great if the doctor can shut down for me and let me get in there and just remodel the whole thing and I'll leave as fast as I can and they'll end up with a key to their brand new remodeled office. I mean, that, that's the dream right there. Hmm. But that's only if you can take the hit. Now, in a remodel, for me, the best would be to shut down. And that's usually around Christmas, New Year's. A lot of doctors will plan ahead and hmm. have me start right at that Christmas, New Year break. So if you're going to remodel, think about that. Find a time in the year that your office is mostly out. You can add a few more days to that vacation time. Let me get in there, remodel, and you guys will come back from vacation with a brand new office. That would be the best. Having a new office, building out a new office, keep in mind, you can work in your old office while I'm building you a brand new one. Hmm. Right? And Better than that, in most cases, a remodel is usually just aesthetics, maybe moving a wall or two to make things a little bit more comfortable. In a new build-out, everything will be tailored to exactly what you want with almost zero compromise. Hmm. In a remodel, you will have compromises. Costs will come into effect. But if I move this wall, it's going to cost this much because I have to move the other wall to make this wall. It gets complicated. It's a domino effect. So in most cases, a remodel is usually just aesthetics. Really? And then you build, you, you, get, you get what you want, and it will be 10 times better than the remodel. So a remodel can actually cost more, take longer, and I'm still really not going to end up with what I want. I don't know if it'll cost more in a remodel. Usually remodels are cheaper. Okay. But what's cool, what's cool about a new build-out, in most cases, if you do have a good broker, they'll negotiate a great tenant improvement allowance. Hmm. And that tenant improvement allowance is usually the amount of money it would cost above and beyond the remodel. So for the cost you would spend on a remodel out of your own pocket, add that to what the 
you building owner will give you to build out a new space in that new lease that you just signed. So a good tenant improvement allowance and a new build out is essential. Hmm. So going back to that team, right? The, the right agent mm-hmm. who's negotiating on your behalf can help get a lot of this stuff paid for. Sure. Wow. That's sure. amazing. Talk about enhancing your wealth and really building an office on someone else's dime. What a neat thing to be able to do. Yeah, it's very beneficial. Of course. So Ron, what else would you like to share with us as we're wrapping up here? Make sure you hire the right contractor. You don't want to hire the guy out of the pickup. If he's working on your job and he gets one more job, that's not going to work for you. He's going to abandon you. He's going to go start working on that new job and and, uh, take on more than he can do. Uh, Second thing, there's two different ways to hire a contractor to get your project done. One is to go with a design build contractor where the contractor will take care of everything for you. And then the second way is to hire an architect to do a set of drawings for you. And then you go out to bid with those drawings. And the better the drawings are, the more accurate your price will be. Hmm. When you do a design build contract, most likely that design build contractor is going to give you what he's designed and he's going to charge you for that design. If in the middle of the job he's running low on, on money, he might change your design a little bit. And you won't know that you're getting less of a product than Hmm. you paid for. So, I mean, that's huge. But unfortunately, in the dental industry, design-build contractors are preferred. And that's usually how it's done in our industry. Not to say one is better than the other. They're just very different. Okay. And so the design-build is really where that contractor is putting together the design and they're building it as opposed to just getting the plans done and then the the doctor or listener having to go out there and get all the bids from someone else to do this. Yeah, and one of the reasons the dental industry doesn't like to go out to architects is because most architects know less than that experienced dental contractor. Hmm. That experienced dental contractor just knows so much more detail on what a dentist needs than that architect that does one or two dentists a year. So that's the big difference. That's the big difference. Most projects, most owners, most doctors will hire an architect if it's a very large office. When it's a very large office, I would say go the route of the architect. Okay. And how would you define large office? Well, multi-practice for sure. Okay probably close to 10 plus chairs. So anything over 10 chairs, you probably want to think about hiring an architect. Okay. Very helpful stuff. So this is Tim McNeely. We've been talking to Ron from Mercury Construction on what goes into to building an office. How do you put that together? What's the process like? And I know I've certainly learned a lot in terms of the team that you're going to want to have in place before doing this and the importance of a great real estate agent, a great equipment rep, the, the experienced contractor. We've covered some of the, the pros and cons. Ron, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more? Sure. Uh, mercuryconstruction.com. That's our website. And an email is simple, ron at mercuryconstruction.com. And uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Not a problem. 
Excellent. It'd be a pleasure. Well, hey, if you are thinking about building an office or you want someone to run your plans by to, to ask some questions of, I'd encourage you to reach out to, to Ron. He's a great resource, a consummate professional, and, and someone who really cares about doing a good job for you so that you can get the office that you're looking for. Ron, thank you so much for being a great guest today. Enjoyed our conversation and continued success to you. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate everything. You've been listening to Family Office Secrets. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this podcast as we've pulled back the curtain to reveal to you the often hidden strategies used by today's most successful individuals and their family offices. We'll have another podcast soon. But for more secrets used by today's more successful business owners, dentists, and entrepreneurs, visit the website at www.timmcneely.com. Till next time.